Dark Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good. I'm worn out. Yeah, you're thinking. <laughs> I mean, I'm good. But running all over creation. Yeah. yeah. But it was fun. It was fun, though. I was telling you that I was riding my BMX, and it had been like five years since I rode it. And, it, you know, riding street BMX is a lot of fun. And, and I didn't come out too worse for wear, so I consider myself <laughs> somewhat still skilled at that was the art of BMXing. Yeah, that was my thing, man. When I was a kid, I was all into BMX. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I didn't get into it till I was an adult, actually. I got into BMXing when I was like 18. Oh, so, really? And, yeah. And I always rode street, so I've always been a street rider. Wow. Yeah, it was uh, that was my childhood sport, that and motorcycle, motocross. Yeah, there's that great picture of you on that BMX in the documentary. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I was kind of crazy. Um, okay. <clears throat> Today's topic is the ego death show and right. and the concept of ego death because yeah I, what that really is yeah I've, i i'm pretty sure that most people have a, a kind of misunderstand what the actual concept of ego death is because i just just from comments and stuff i see um so we can talk about the show because it was such a significant show and and, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Hear, I'd love to hear you uh, tell because I think it's pretty magical how you discovered the whole idea for it. I'd love to hear you tell that story. Okay, well, we may have talked about it on another podcast. I don't think we did. No. Okay. No. It's hard to keep all this stuff straight. Um, okay, so the Ego Death Show was uh, a show I had in solo show I had in 2013. Right? Is it 2013? Yep. yep. Uh, October. Okay, so I uh, let's see. This it all started around. It was New Year's Eve, uh, 2012, and I didn't have an idea for the show, but I knew I had to do this big. Uh, I don't know. I wanted to do a big epic show. Of course, every time I do a show, I try and do my best show. That's just you know what you do, and. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really have a concept for it. So I thought, uh, which I do sometimes from time to time um, at the, the turn of the year at midnight, I took some mushrooms at midnight. And <clears throat> I remember I was watching, what was that movie? Looper. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, got me, you actually got me to watch that movie. Yeah, I like that movie. I thought that was a pretty cool movie. It was a great idea for yeah, sure. Great, prem great yeah, premise. Great premise. Um, so I uh, I took I think three three and a half grams or three grams of mushrooms with the intention of coming up with a concept for the show, and also kind of bringing in the new year in a, in a you know kind of in a spiritual way, I guess you could say. Well, and um, I think you've always you always have said it best that you know that I think you this is one of your uh, I don't know soliloquisms is like you say. 
you know, it's like hitting the reset button. And I really like that way of looking at it. You know what I mean? Right. Because for if you're in the right, you know, if you're in a space where you feel like, okay, I, I, I'm ready to have this experience and you have it, it, it takes you back down to ground zero. You know, it gets you back down to that, right. that base level of like really knowing what's what and get your head out of the clouds. So it's right. like hitting the reset button. So I, I think that I've always really liked how you put that because I, I find that to be very apt. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, that's a, a good description. And I, I've actually heard a lot of people say that too. So I think it's kind of one of those things that's it's so apt that people just automatically say that about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Cause but I'd what, never heard it before you, oh, so I have to I, I have to ascribe it to you. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll bet you will. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to say it. Okay, anyway, so <laughs> um, baiting, baiting. <laughs> uh, so I took that and I sat and was watching Looper and waiting for it to come on and. Um, you know, just kind of watching the movie while I was waiting for it to happen. Um, once it starts to happen, I'll turn all the lights off and everything and, and basically meditate is how I always do it alone um, when I do it, which isn't very often. But um, uh, so I, I felt it coming on, turn the movie off and turn my lights off. And I and I sat there and closed my eyes and I just thought, OK, so I need uh a title for the show. I don't know if I thought I need a title for the show. I think that's what it was. I, I need a title or I guess it was an idea title for the show. And as soon as I closed my eyes, it just, the, the, the words ego death popped into my head and I was just immediately, Oh, that's the perfect title for a show. I don't know what the show is going to be, but it's the perfect title, perfect subject matter. And it was funny too, because it, I, I had the sense that it was kind of like, okay, now, now what do you want? You know, like it was happened just in seconds of starting to trip the, it just said ego death. And then it was like, kind of felt like it was almost waiting. Okay. You came here. Now what else do you want? Like, it was so like, <laughs> just whatever, just, you know, like effortless, just the, the, whatever the spirit mushroom spirit just tossed it out there. The perfect idea. And it's like, all right, what else? And then that was kind of like, it for the rest of the night. It was just, that was the big idea. And I just kind of, you know, piddled around for the rest of the night. Um, so anyway, I started off with the title and <clears throat> as time went on, I, I knew that was going to be the title. Then time went on and I didn't, didn't have a concept for the show and, um, or what the paintings were going to be or anything. And at some point I started thinking it would be cool if it's a, if the show was, created to be like a funeral for the ego. Um, I guess maybe this is a good time to talk about at least a quick overview of the ego death, what ego death is. And mm -hmm. we, we'll get into it more later. But the, uh, the basic idea of ego death is um, when you either through a psychedelic experience or uh, it can happen from an extremely traumatic experience or shock almost or through meditation, um, intense meditation, uh, where you, it's an experience where you kind of have a, you disassociate from your ego. You kind of disconnect from your ego, uh, or transcend your ego. You know, it's base and basically the, the nutshell version is your ego is who you think you are. It's 
who you, you know, Mike Carell, the writer is your ego, but your, your real self is God basically, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in my belief. And I think probably your beliefs too, your, you know, your higher self versus your lower self almost. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I thought, okay, that's, I, I knew the concept. Um, I'd experienced things like that before that uh, I've had experiences like that before. And so I thought, well, it'd be cool to have a sh- the show be like a, a funeral for the ego, like almost like a, a metaphor, symbolically, um, a symbolic funeral for the ego. And, uh, and of course that was like, Oh, that's, that's it. <clears throat> and then the paintings would be representations of the ego. I thought, which this show really kind of crystallized my whole mission statement for my artwork and what I had been doing up to that point, really, you know, as painting. Yeah, it's like it was revealed to you. Like right. finally you were like, Oh, that's what I've been doing all along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. These are rep- representations of the ego. That's what these monsters are. And, uh, so I was thinking, okay, do a funeral and have make the uh, gallery up like a funeral home inside, and the paintings on the wall would be representations of the ego, but they would be kind of decor for the the, the funeral home in a way, you know. So it looked like you're you're at a funeral, and um, I thought that my character Black Magic all, always. Even before I had this concept for the show, he seemed like the ego to me, like a representation of the ego where he looks dangerous and creepy and scary. And, but he also has this, like, to me, he has this kind of scared vibe to him. Like he's holding onto his gun and he's kind of nervous and scared. That's how it looks to me. But he's also menacing. You know, I've had someone just I've heard someone describe him. I don't remember who it was is almost being Mickey Mouse like because of the, you know, the way the eyes are, oh, yeah. like, you know, pulling, you know, and, like, and, and I thought that was an interesting way of looking at it. I never <laughs> thought of it that way myself. But, you know, and so that kind of ties into for me anyway, you saying that it has that surprised look. But anyway, right, I agree. Right. I think that he is representational in, in a very, uh, you know, obvious way to to what we might consider the ego to be. Right. You know? right. It's protecting itself as best yeah. as it can with its defense mechanisms because it's so terrified and anxious, you know, of losing control, basically. Yeah, right, right. But then at the same time, it's terrifying because it does all these Mm -hmm. things, this onslaught to try to, you know, keep you in line, basically, and get what it wants from you. Yeah, stay in control. And, you know, that's that's a good uh, representation of the ego. So I thought, you know, we could have a coffin, get uh make a black magic dummy like he's he's in the the coffin and then have a funeral like a mock funeral and then um i had the idea to have rick gallagher play the undertaker and he could read the read the eulogy that i wrote a eulogy for the ego and um or for black magic for the ego really and uh we had the weeping widow which is like black magic's widow that was just crying and she never said anything she's dressed up in really cool costumes we uh we had made and um we did a funeral procession but then that that's what started the do you remember how the the kickstarter happened around that because at some point i think i figured the only way i could do this is to raise a bunch of money to do it yeah well i i you know what 
I guess it would have been the Paradise Artist Retreat 2013 when we were filming for Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, the documentary. That was the first I heard from you about it, where you and you actually sat down and like said a few things to the camera about the whole idea of oh, okay. ego death. And you were starting to ramp it up then, like, okay, I'm going to have to do a Kickstarter. And I even shot a little pickup stuff with um, – Big Gus and him like promoting your oh, Kickstarter right. yeah, basically. Yeah. So we were already shooting, I guess, some pickup stuff then. And then I think we shot your pitch video at the Stranger Factory shortly thereafter. It may have been like a month later. So what, we mo shot that. what month was that? Uh, uh, it was Paradise. Do you remember what month that was? March. March. March of 2013. Because I know that once, uh, once we did the Kickstarter, I had three months to paint for the show. In the show right and now i was guess basically that was just like the idea of like when you started really getting the ball rolling right. but i don't think you actually launched that kickstarter i think you launched the kickstarter uh in august and then it ran until you know wasn't it right around that time it was yeah, well like, the show was in october and i know i know it was three months exactly from from at least i don't know if it was starting no it was i'll just look it up okay <laughs> there you go hey the internet it's this cool thing all the kids are doing so yeah, uh, basically, I raised the money uh, more more than I was asking for. It was very successful, um, and uh, I had three months to paint for it. Of course, because you know the artist life is always a day late and a dollar short. So I wasn't able to really get the show, the artwork together until after the Kickstarter was done. Because once the Kickstarter was done, I could just paint for three months and not have to worry about paying any bills or anything. So, um, I basically had three months to paint that show and, <clears throat> had some, some of my best paintings came out of that show, I, I think. And, um, I, I really you were funded on August 14th. Sorry to interrupt August. you. August 14th, 2013 was when you were funded. Okay. August. September, and thanks to those 435 yes. backers. Thank you. So maybe it was like three months from launch, I guess. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it was. So anyway, uh, yeah, so we had the money to, uh, we rented a hearse for outside. We had uh, um, Todd Waters from Junker Designs. Um, design uh costumes for the weeping widow and for rick gallagher and michelle deville he had her make this incredible uh a gown for the this real cool gothic gown for the weeping widow and we had you know it was a huge production it was like the dystopia show but um uh you know just the first time i'd ever done an event like that you know and uh i don't know maybe you want to talk about your reflections because you were there and yeah well i i was there shooting for the documentary and so it was you know i i knew what was going into it I, it was kind of like dystopia and that i had certain level of expectation i was like okay well i know that he's doing this 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 and this but the, again with ego death there was like this whole vibe that happened it was like this drama kind of playing out and what was bizarre was it was almost like I don't know. The people that were there were just there as your friends and your supporters and your fans and your collectors, but they all like ended up playing some kind of role in this drama that was almost in, in an impromptu thing that was transpiring. And I feel like a lot of people really came away, especially from the eulogy, with that sensation of what it is that you, you know, that you wanted to talk about, which is ego death, basically. You know, they came away with that like 
realization of like, okay, you know, all the bullshit that's on top of it, all of the, you know, like he's better than me and she's prettier than me and I'm stronger than him. And, you know, I have more money than her and so on and so forth that all of that just means nothing. Cause we're all going to die and we're, we're all, we're all, we all are already dead basically, you know? Uh. <laughs> and so coming together, uh, you know, over our fear and our anxiety, instead of feeling like we, you know, are, are, uh, alienated and, and compartmentalized as a result of it. And I feel like that was the import of the show to most of the people that I talked to and that I involved myself with throughout the duration. And of course it was just amazing footage. I mean, how I couldn't have asked for something better. I mean, that was why we, we ended up doing a second Kickstarter in 2014 for the documentary was because you did this ego death show right. and it was huge and I covered it. And this documentary that we were originally planning on making all of a sudden became like documentary cubed. And I was right. like, Oh <laughs> shit, this is a lot bigger, you know? And I always hope for that, but you always hope for that, you know? Yeah, and I, then if you, if it happens, cool, but you can't manufacture it. You know right. I mean? Right. If that's the thing is it was the, the big game changer of the, the, um, documentary you know it was like that's it, it definitely it was the magic thing that happened one of the magic things but it was kind of the big oh we've really got something here this is this story is going somewhere differently different than we were thinking which is what we kind of wanted all along for it to be a real story you know and yeah. uh, and uh that that's also the the um i did we just to the the uh the uh Rorian, who sat in front of the painting. Mm -hmm, that whole scenario. Yeah, we talked about this in like the paranormal episode, I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he, that happened. We there was. The, we, I actually had the opportunity to have like a pre-opening at Barnsdale uh, Art Park in Los Angeles at this museum, and that that was uh, like the Ego Death Show without all the coffin and all that stuff. And that's when the thing with Rory and the guy who came up and sat down because he had to charge his phone, but he happened to have a black cape and he and the hood and looked like the ego death painting, which is the main painting from the show. Um, and he was sitting directly across from it in the same right. position as <laughs> the character on the painting, but had was oblivious to the fact that he was oriented in such a manner effectively right. just as we were all standing around him like is this real is he doing this on yeah. purpose is this like what's going on here <laughs> which was just like the painting because all the monsters in the background of the painting are looking at the death figure going like what the hell's going on yeah it was like a mirror basically right yeah. there you know <laughs> the thing the thing manifesting itself physically but in a fashion that's completely chaotic i mean there's you know there's no again no way that you could have facilitated or manufactured that. It yeah. was only something that could have occurred serendipitously. And that was the beauty of it. That was the magic of it. That was yeah. the synchronicity of it. Yeah. So it was, there was definitely, it was a magically charged show, like a really inspired idea. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's a shame in a way I, that if you think of relatively so few people saw it, even though the show was packed, I mean, it was, there was a lot of people at the show. It was really, it was huge. like conjoined amount of people, yeah, you know, at was, ego death. It yeah. was pretty impressive. It was crazy, but still, you know, the show I thought was so cool. I, I wish more people were able to experience it. You know, just it's, it's yeah. always like that with art shows. Cause you know, even when you have a huge crowd, you're only barely, uh, 
really barely anybody's getting to experience it in person. But I guess that's what makes it special for the people that were there. It makes it that much special, more special for everybody mm-hmm. who actually was there and supporting it. You know, so that's probably better that way. But we were able to capture it on film, which was amazing. You know. Yeah, and that's the thing again. Like that's for me. I'm just at this thing. Like, dude, I. I can't turn my camera wrong. I'm basically, you know, like there's just no way to fail at covering this this uh, show. Yeah, we, and so then it got me really excited because then I had all this amazing footage. I mean, I already had a bunch of good stuff, but I had like now I had, you know, that was that was the nut. You know, I was like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was really and, incredible. But yeah, we had people. We asked people to dress up as well, like they're you know kind of like goth funeral goers or just wearing black. Basically, either dress like you're going to a funeral or dress kind of, you know, creepy and weird. And a lot of people dressed up, which really added to it, you know. And steampunky. There were some steampunky looking yeah. folks there. We did it uh, when we started it. I, and then I dressed. This is it's funny, too, because this all happened in three months, including painting and sculpting the frame corners and having Grant Standard cast the frame corners in bronze. You know, shipping and them. soft spot. Yeah, it's soft spot. And uh, I mean, it was a huge production. So a lot of the stuff was left to the last minute just because that it had to be. And one of the things was what how am I going to go? You know, how am I going to be dressed? I didn't want to. It didn't seem right to wear a suit or I don't know. I, I didn't want to be. I, I, I don't know. I just didn't want to be like the center of attention. I wanted Rick gallagher to be the center of attention as the undertaker and the, and really uh the black magic in the coffin is kind of the central focus of of the thing and so i at the last minute <clears throat> thought i if i could get a, a hooded robe and a like a scythe like a grim reaper that would be cool so i got this uh jim Beinke, my friend he helped me i think he rented this for me at some costume place and so i was wearing um you know basically like a a monk's robe kind of covering my face and and a um uh, what was who was it someone got me the side i think it was matt uh what's his name the sculptor matt levin he was able to loan me this scythe perfect scythe out of nowhere you know i put the call out i think on facebook or something and so we started out the show by doing a funeral procession walking into the gallery and I let it right. I was in front with the, yeah, 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 you let it as the grim reaper. And, um, I, there was like close friends and family, uh, in the, in the funeral procession line, but everyone, we kind of walked through the crowd and went into the gallery and everyone kind of followed us in. It was so cool too. Cause it wasn't even like choreographed. It was like, I, cause I was standing on the ramp with my camera ready, you know? And I remember, uh, Irwin was right next to me and Stan Darkheart was right there. And you guys, I saw you guys coming and everyone was kind of milling around and all of a sudden it was like happening and nobody really knew that yeah. it was happening. But then at the same time, they all like stopped and they did the thing. Like no one told them there was even going to be a funeral <laughs> procession, but everyone like did the thing. They like stopped and they kind of bowed their heads. Everyone got really quiet. It was right. like, it was a trip. And as you guys came up, you guys went past me and at the end was Rick and Kaja, right? Is that how yeah, you pronounce yeah, her yeah. name? The, 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 the weeping playing widow. The, the widow. And they were right at the end, so I just grabbed the tail and just stuck my camera on them and just followed the procession <laughs> like I was part of the procession. Because I mean, again, we didn't plan any right. of it, but it was like I had to get in that show, and those people were coming up the ramp, and I was like, "All right, I'm in." So I just <laughs> it was great though, because then we got this amazing footage. Because Rick like plays it, you know, yeah, all the way. Yeah. He he takes it all the way. He's in character a hundred percent of the time, and he totally played with me, you know, with the camera and oh, like yeah. just doing 
stuff. It was great. It was like it felt I feel like when you watch the documentary, I feel like you feel as if you're one of those people standing on the ramp and you get to follow that procession in. That's what I was trying. That was what I was trying to create with that scene. Mm -hmm. You know, was that really feeling of that first person feeling like you're one of those people and you're walking into this and you get to hear this eulogy and you get to see these paintings. Right. You know, so, yeah, it's just an incredible synergy uh, in this dynamic of collaboration that came together in ways never could have even imagined or even hoped for. Yeah, yeah. I I remember now that – I wanted Rick and Kaja to lead the 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 um, Undertaker and the Weeping Widow to lead the procession, but they got stuck in the gallery because there were so many people or something, or they got stuck outside and I couldn't find them. So it was a totally impromptu thing, like okay, I'll lead it as the Grim Reaper, and we just let it in, and then they ended up somehow being at the back of the line, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> you know, it just ended oh. up working so perfectly. Um, and the concept that uh, of Rick Gallagher as the Undertaker, I thought was really cool and fun. I wanted him to be like a, a horror host from those TV shows I grew up on, where they would play the Saturday afternoon or Saturday night horror film, usually on a local uh, TV station, and uh, hosted by you know a cool horror host. Like th- there was a guy Seymour, I think, in the '60s, and there was. There's all, you know, there's everyone, every city had their horror host in the 60s and 70s and even in the 80s. Like Elvira was kind of like the first mm-hmm. mainstream. Mm-hmm. Well, no, uh, what's her, uh, the first big one was, uh, what's her name? Uh, Vampira. She was like the first um, horror ho- host, I think. Or she, it was all around that same time. Maybe she wasn't the first, but I think she was definitely the biggest one until Elvira came along. But uh, my guy was. Um, Grim, Grimly. Wait, is it Grimsley or Grimly? Fright Night with Grimly. I think it was Grimly, and uh, he was he was fucking great. He was the coolest host, and it's I can't, it's really hard to find any footage of him. It was on Channel Nine, which was a local station, and he was really funny and weird. It was very surreal and really well done, and um, so he was kind of my inspiration because he was my horror host and I was growing up. And if anybody knows, if anybody in the LA area knows Grimly or Grimsley, I can't remember if it's had an S in there or not. Let me know because, um, I'm fascinated. Any, any info on that dude? I would love to have, I actually found him on Facebook. He does have a Facebook page and I contacted him. He lives in Florida now. He's probably really old and he sent me a DVD of some clips, which is really super cool. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. So we, so, so we had the, uh, the undertaker and then we had the weeping widow, which is black magic's widow for the, uh, the show. And she was dressed all in this, like I said, this cool kind of Gothic gown. It's really amazing headpiece. And there was teeth and that was so cool. Little, man. They had like teeth sewn all up and down. It was almost like on the seams. Like yeah, it would go up the seam of the front. There'd be all these teeth sewn on it, like molars with the roots and shit. It was yeah, great. And little zombie heads that I had sculpted, uh, sewn into it. And wasn't there like old, those old photos of, of, uh, uh, portrait photos of that you can get like at thrift stores, real Those photos. like black and white ones, like yeah, all vintage yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were like sticking in her, uh, in the dress part, it was really, really well done, really amazing job. And, um, 
she was directed to not speak to anybody. She would only be crying the whole time, and so she couldn't talk. So she would just be weeping the whole time. And then we gave her some teeth, so she would go, and every every once in a while she would go up to someone and just give them a tooth. <laughs> I got one of those teeth. Really? Do you still have it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. That'll be a collector's yeah. item someday. Someday. <laughs> it's already for me. It's already a collector's <laughs> item. <laughs> so that was uh, that was. That was basically uh, the show, and it was really, you know, it was even with Dystopia now, that show, I kind of, there were, you know, it was hard to, I almost feel like the Ego Death show was even better than the Dystopia show in a way, even though it wasn't, I don't think it was produced better because Dystopia was. Dystopia was more, yeah, it was more grandized. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. way more produced for sure. But I guess I have a soft spot for um, uh, Ego Death since it was the first show i did i thought the concept was really strong too it was the first kind of event show i ever did and i just i liked you know i i of course i love dystopia i thought that was uh a great show and a logical step and uh, you know i really am proud of that show but i one thing i liked about the ego death show that wasn't so much in, in dystopia was the the spiritual message behind it which is really the the main idea of of my artwork is uh, as you know, using horror, horror type imagery to express spiritual concepts or, you know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't spiritual concepts, I guess, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, using, using ugliness to express light or however you want to put it, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think is, is, a the cool thing. One of the coolest things about dark art is the positive, you know the fact that it looks evil, but it's actually positive. I think it's the great, uh, you know, conundrum. Yeah, for it. sure. I mean, it's so funny too because it's like I remember, you know, seeing other kids that wanted to do weird, dark stuff when they were little, like I was, and draw it. They weren't allowed to, you know. Mm-hmm. And those are the one; those are the kids that got maladjusted. It's so funny. And then, like, I was totally allowed to just do it as much as I wanted. And as a result of just expressing whatever darkness was in me, I was adjusted right know? yeah so it's just it was such a i remember even as a kid i i noticed it i was like it's so obvious you right, know, it's so obvious right. that if you try to sweep something under a rug eventually the rug becomes disproportionate to the room and if the <laughs> stuff doesn't go away the rug just gets a big lump in it you trip yeah. over it crack your head open <laughs> <laughs> so the, the 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 main thing i really wanted to talk about though aside from the show was the concept of ego death because I noticed from the get-go people saying, referring to the show as uh, like death of the ego or kill your ego. And it's, it's, it's not that, you know, the idea of ego death is not killing your ego or getting rid of your ego. You know, like we were saying, the, the ego is basically who you think you are. It's who you've, grown your experience has tur- is you know you've learned throughout your life who you are by your experiences and and so the ego is basically that part of yourself that thinks it knows who you are it's you know what i'm saying 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's definitely because <laughs> it's all about the description. You know, it's all about words. It's all about how we talk to talk to ourselves. I mean, that was my first, I was telling you earlier, my first introduction to the ego was in psychology courses in high school mm. and then eventually in college. And like learning about Freud and learning about Jung and all of that stuff. And the whole idea of the id, the ego, and the superego is a really fascinating thing because basically the idea in a nutshell to make it easy for people is that the id is the, the parts of us that are almost reptilian. They're autonomic. It's like, you know, you're born with, you need to poop and you need to eat and you're going to, you want to have sex and so you can procreate. And it's all just the stuff that we're all, it's the package we're all born with, you know? Right. And then the ego is, and I guess I can even, the, the quote of Freud is the ego is that part of the id, what we just talked about, which has been modified by direct influence of the external world. Mm. It's that simple. So basically we are this thing, we're born that way. And then as we're exposed to the world around us, those things modify us. The people we see, the people we interact with on a primary level and then a secondary level. So like our siblings and our parents at first, and then teachers, friends, babysitters, healthcare providers, television, <laughs> you know, all of this stuff. Right. And that all modifies this id portion of us. And then the thing that a lot of people also leave out is that the whole idea of the superego, which is the moralistic values that we learn as we're, ex, you know, where we're, our id is exposed to this externalization. So right, right. there's that part of us that's like, okay, even though I really want that candy bar that guy's eating, I'm not going to punch him in the face and take it from him because it's not acceptable to do that. I know it's not acceptable, not just because I've been told it, but I have adapted to the realization that if someone did that to me, that would suck. Right. And so I shouldn't do that to him. That's the super ego, right? And so in many ways, the ego, that's us. That's us stuck right in the middle, you know, stuck right. in the middle with you, right? <laughs> so you could be really base or you could be really high. But that, so again, you'll never kill the ego. It is, part, it is part of the construct that is what we are having this human experience. So you definitely can't kill it right but you can That's, ascend to a deeper place of super ego you know what i mean well as opposed to i i would say that um the the idea of of ego death would be to transcend the ego like uh the the the, the ego is uh you know it's like it's like like you were saying it's it's what you it's what you think you are because of your experience it's the um it's not necessarily just negative things either. It could be, you know, things that you would judge as positive as well. It's what you learn. Sure, sure. It's the illusion of your true self. You know, it's like the illusory real world version of your true self and your true self, I believe. And I think you believe is, uh, you know, God it's, or it, this higher thing that doesn't really have anything to do with the ego or the super ego or, the mm -hmm. id, it's like, you know, so the idea of ego death is to transcend it. So it's not like you can kill the ego. You can't get rid of that thing. Like you're saying, it's part of who we are as human beings. I, I like to think of it as an installation. I've always thought of it as like, it's like something that was installed in our brain as we develop for the first, you know, 15 years of our life. And it's a little installation. It's like a box that's sitting in there and you can go in there and change the wiring. That's the thing. That's mm -hmm. the task. That's the goal. That's the work. For me, that's what I think about ego death. When I think about it, I'm like, I'm going to go in there and tinker with that installation and make it do what I want it to do. And instead of having it do me, do to me what it wants me to do, 
do, right? Because again, it's like it wants to be in control, right? right it's right. terrified. It's afraid of losing control, as we talked about earlier. The that's black what, magic yeah. thing, you that's, know. That's what it's all about. Is is it's 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 a defense, it's a control installation, yeah, a, yeah, it's a defense mechanism, defense yeah. me- mechanism to protect you, um, even to the point where it will. To destroy you potentially, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it will destroy you to protect itself. Sure. You know? um, but I think transcending it really means um, you. You can have you know these dark thoughts or feelings or whatever, but you have to just know that that is not who you really are. That's not your essence, and you don't have to act on them. So you can you know. Um, you cannot be in control of the ego and still have an ego. I mean, you cannot be controlled by the ego, I mean, and still have an ego. Everybody has that part of them. Like we we're saying, you can't get rid of it. You can't kill it. Um, I think the ego death as a concept is, is those moments when you have um, transcendent experiences where you, where you don't have that, mm-hmm. you know, baggage mm-hmm. because you've kind of uh, gone in another headspace to where it's not, it's not there or you're, or it's broken down. That's one thing that, well, and that can be really scary too. Oh yeah. That's the thing, you know, that's why I see people because I've had, I've had some intense trips where I definitely had experience, not just talked about ego death, but had like a full blown experience (laughs) of it. And at a given point in time, my ego got back in control because it was terrified of this idea of being dissolved. And then I started tweaking out. I started being freaked out yeah. because I, it started being like, no, get back in line. You well, can't be outside of yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> that's the whole – I mean ultimately what psychedelics do is they break your ego down. And if you go with it, you you can have a transcendent experience. You can have a mystical experience. And, and If you fight it, you're going to get stuck in yeah, a loop. <laughs> yeah, stuck in a loop or terrified. I mean that's, that's what bad trips are. When you see – when the walls start bleeding – or you start seeing monsters, those are projections of your ego. And it's your ego trying to hold on because it realizes that it's becoming dissolved for that moment while you're under the influence of this stuff. So, you know, you'll, you'll, that's, that's what a bad trip is. The ego just trying to hang on, you know? Yeah. Well, I always loved how you talked about one of your, one of your trips with the, the haunted house and that God was behind the haunted house. And it was like this, like stupid, like you said, like a cutout, Oh yeah, yeah. Front with these little ghosts, they're like, Woo, yeah, <laughs> and they're like, like it was like you said it was really I, when I when you told me about it, what I thought it was the movie Beetlejuice. Like I totally yeah, picture totally one of those Beetlejuice. Sets in Beetlejuice totally, you know? totally. And you were like, God was behind that, and if you could just like not be afraid of this stupid little front, you yeah. could be with God. You know, <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, it was. One. It was like th- that. Those were demons. De- demons were. It was like demons were. Uh these fake things to keep you from they were like these puppets or something you know they're they're a construct to keep you from uh getting to god or whatever or or or, uh, realizing your true self and it was yeah it was it was it was and it was almost like i had this feeling like if you if you're too scared to deal with the uh the demons if you if you're too afraid to even try and go past the demons, then you're not ready to get to that place. Yeah, you you're wouldn't not, be able to handle it. They're right. like the gatekeepers, basically. Right, right, right. You know? 
if you don't know the riddle, you don't get to go across the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> because if you if if you get across the bridge without knowing the riddle, you're really in trouble. Yeah, right. <laughs> this was hard. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you know you you wonder if uh, you know a, when you when you get to that have that transcendental experience. You know, that's the thing about about psychedelics is it's not all fun and games and you know take take some psychedelics oh. and you're gonna be healed and you're gonna be no expect magic. some discomfort in fact <laughs> well <laughs> you not know, like not discomfort only, should be part of it not only that but you know uh psychedelics can have the opposite effect if you if you're not uh, integrating your experience well or right because sure. you can come back sure. and you can be you know people i i see this a lot on some of these blogs these uh I don't know, more hippie kind of uh, psychedelic blogs where people are totally in their egos because they think they've had the amazing experience. Right, right. And I saw God. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm special. I'm special. Yeah, I have, right, I have right. more uh, spiritual knowledge than you. And that's sure. That's just as bad as being classic an, ego. Yeah. Be, yeah. It's just as bad as being an asshole, a regular, a regular asshole. You know, it's the same. It's sure. the same thing. Yeah. It's the same well, and, thing. and you, or not, like you said, if you can't handle the emotional, spiritual impact of that experience, you know, if you don't feel like you're able to do it, then don't do it. You know, that's right. the worst time to do it. You know, because yeah. it's really important that you feel like, oh yeah, all right, I, I'm ready for this. And and also, if things come up that are scary and uncomfortable, that I'm willing to address those. I mean, when, before I trip, I always say, all right, give me what you got. You know, mm -hmm. because that's the thing is it's like it's going to. Right. And so I could fight if I want, but this is going to make it worse. So it's like – and if you have that 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 feeling of openness – I mean for me anyway, and I know in clinical studies this isn't true. In clinical studies they say that a person's outlook going into the psychedelic experience has very little to do with the actual experience. But from my own personal experience, I find that for myself, my outlook going into it is huge. And if I, I feel open, I'm going to be able to receive. It's like a transmitter. And if right. I feel closed and contracted then what's going to happen is I'm going to bump into shit instead of absorb shit. Right, you know, right. not do the right. You know, it's spiritual work. You can't fuck around with that well, power plants. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, the, the 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 big study I know of actually doesn't say that. The big study is uh, that from the Mayo Clinic, and now they're mm -hmm. doing a lot of studies. But there's that. You probably that, know more about it than I do. Yeah, Alex Gray turned me onto this um, this study, and it's like the it was the I think the first legitimate peer reviewed study of people having. Uh, spiritual experiences or uh, mystical experiences on mushrooms. And they said that I think it had a, a, a 70% success rate of having a spiritual experience, but you had to want the spiritual experience going into it. That was yeah. a, that was okay. a factor, you know, well, and that's it, great to hear. That's corroboration for me. Yeah, Cause yeah. I always thought that, and I was always kind of at odds with the fact that it seemed like what I was hearing didn't, support it but it's like well fuck it we're all right. individuals maybe it's just different for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he he made the great point too he's like that's that's a much better success rate than any religion i know of <laughs> you <laughs> okay. know what i mean and it's this which really you know another issue a side issue and for another uh podcast is yeah how, we will do a whole topic on this it, guys don't worry yeah yeah it, it really i have to say though it so pisses me off when people blow it off as not real as you know not as natural as just getting it naturally through meditation or, or whatever because it, it's 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 got there's so much prejudice even by 
the spiritual community or even by open-minded liberal people, people still think mm-hmm. of it as all drugs are the same, which is the yeah, stupidest yeah. thing. It's when you stop and think about it, take your prejudice out of it. All drugs are not the same. <laughs> right. Alcohol is not the same as aspirin. You know, no. heroin is not the same as mushrooms or weed. It's it, there's so much variation and it's just, sure. it's, it's ridiculous. Sure. It's ridiculous. And so therefore it doesn't get taken seriously as a legitimate medicine, which is what it really is. Well, and you got to also admit too, that the food, you know, the, the food corporations in, in this country have also made a, a grand effort to take certain things like sugar and high fructose corn syrup mm. and make them seem like they are not as, as incredibly addictive and powerful drugs that they yeah, are. Right. You know? So, I mean, again, there's and a lot of, caffeine uh, as well, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So there, you know, there's a lot of misinformation that goes along with the propaganda machine. And I don't want to get in too much into that, yeah. but that does play a role in it because it, it tarnishes the, the beauty of that potential silver pot. You know, this is chalice. It has this potential and, and everyone's afraid, Oh, well it looks pretty nasty, but it's like, yeah, it looks nasty because you've learned to right. look at it that way. And that is part of the ego, which is what we are totally, talking about. Exactly. You know what I mean? And that's one of my litmus tests is like, here's how I know if I'm having an ego reaction. Am I making a judgment? Right. I mean, it really is that simple. <laughs> now, if I'm making a life or death judgment, that's not the same thing. But if, am I am I looking at somebody and I'm like, oh, they're this or they're that? Right. Anytime I'm making a judgment, that's definitely ego. There's just right. no question about yep. it. You know Absolutely. What I mean? Does it mean it's bad? No. We all do it. You know. Yep. But recognize it as such. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's it. Just be aware of it. That's Observe it. it in action. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty much it, I think. You know, I think that's – it's, you know – um be honest with yourself when it's uncomfortable. Like if I see some really like strapping guy and I'm like totally looking at him and if I'm just honest with myself, I'm like, dude, I wish I was that, that strapping. <laughs> like I do. Let's be honest. Right. Like, that guy's ripped. <laughs> I fucking wish I was ripped. You know, don't be afraid to allow yourself to experience that. It's okay to feel that. It's okay to feel like, oh, I'm a little jealous of right. this guy because he's fucking ripped and I don't have the time to work out like that. You know, but it's, I'm observing it through that filter, recognizing that I'm not really judging him. And it's not really important. It is simply me observing and reflecting back off of him. Right. And so that's really like the whole thing when you for me, when you take the ego, you know, ego death to that next level, it's like the poet Rumi. It's like everyone is a mirror and they're going to reflect back to you mm-hmm. both imperfections as well as perfections. So when I look at you and I see things I like about you, it's because I really do like those qualities in myself. Let's right, be honest. Right. My ego likes those things about itself. You know? right. <laughs> and if there are things about you I don't like, they're probably reflections right. of things my ego really doesn't like about itself. <laughs> Just observe that occurring. That's it. It's that simple. That's it. You know, yeah, that, that, as far as I'm concerned, I think that's, the secret of life pretty much, you know, it's like, if you can, if you can remain aware and, uh, uh, of your, of your ego making judgments constantly, Mm -hmm. then you can become free, free of it. You, you, you're no, if the, you become, you're a prisoner to your ego. If you're not conscious of your ego, giving you all these ideas and making these decisions, if you're, cause you're acting upon these, you're thinking, Oh, uh, you know, you see someone on TV and you're like, Oh, that guy's a fucking asshole. And, uh, and you're, and you're judging this person that way. And that's not really who you are. That is your ego. 
judging that person because you Mm -hmm. want to feel better about yourself because you're superior to that person, even like someone like Trump or something, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's, that's because it's scary, you know, it's like something that's scaring your ego. Exactly. It's got to defend itself somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's across the board. It's like how so many conservatives were so afraid of Obama or hated Obama so much. It's because he represented something that freaked their egos out. And so it's like their idea of who they are. Right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, that guy stand like you're looking at Trump and, and you're like, this guy stands in the face of everything that I am. Right. Well, that's ego saying that's everything you are. But is that really what you are? Right. And like, you know, a great meditation guy, uh, John Kabat-Zinn. I don't know if you ever read any of John Kabat-Zinn. It's mm-hmm. Z-I-N-N. My middle name is, I think, K-A-B-B-A-T. Anyway, one of his meditations is you ask yourself, what am I really? Mm-hmm. And then you answer, you're going to come up with an answer right away. Well, I'm Mike. Right. Well, okay. But what am I really? Right. Okay. Well, then you start, well, I'm my job. You know, I, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a writer. Like you said, well, but what am I really? And then the next answer, of course, well, I'm a human being. I am made of flesh and bone. And, but what am I really? Cause right. I'm more than that. I have a personality. I have these thoughts and feelings. I don't really understand yeah. yeah, consciousness. What am I really? And if you keep asking yourself that it's the simplest little technique, but you ask yourself that over and over and over it, that right there can create a temporary experience of ego death or a permanent experience right. of ego death. Right. Because eventually what happens is, is you're going to come to the simple fact that none of the things that you've listed off are who you are. Right. And you've just basically wiped your ego right off the plate. What's <laughs> left? It's naked. It, it makes you feel scared because right. the ego does defend you. We do protect ourselves with these titles and these things we tell ourselves about who oh, we are, yeah, and what makes, we're doing, where we're going, and where we've come from, and why yeah, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> all this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's all an illusion. You know, it really is sure. all an illusion. It's it's like, and, and I, I was telling you about experience I had recently where it was like, I had the, you know, a, a moment where I realized that all, all these, everybody has horrible thoughts all the time and judge thoughts of judgment. I've been catching myself being so judgmental, just watching TV or movies or thinking that type of person's bad, that type of person's good. And it's total bullshit. Both of them, both of them are, are uh, the ego making judgments to make itself feel secure that it's right and um you know i i I've, because of though because of that I, I really was feeling like god i'm such a in in the back of my mind i'm such a scumbag really i'm such a piece of shit that i'm so judgmental and i can i know where it comes from because it's like you know I, I in from my family history i could see exactly where it comes from but um i had a moment where i consciously suddenly became aware that this that's not me that really isn't me that's my ego i don't have to i don't have to feel like guilty about that anymore because it's not who i am it's not me it's my ego and i have the choice to act on it or not and mm-hmm. i have the choice to be aware of it and i and i think that's what you know enlightenment um not that i'm saying claiming to be enlightened because i'm, <laughs> I'm not i mean i'm just a per- person like everybody else um but I think that's really what enlightenment is, is, is being aware of the ego and making your own choice based on what you really want and not what your ego is telling you and knowing the difference between your ego and your kind of true self, your, your true conscious consciousness, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, the ego, it, 
it really operates with words. I mean, really, mm. when you get down to even you talk about like the Carlos Castaneda and stuff, which we I've mentioned is, is an influence on me, but it was just another filter to look at it through the idea of internal dialogue, you know, and mm. I, I just call it internal talk or internal chatter, but we all do it. And the thing is, is that as you become more aware of yourself doing it, it gets really uncomfortable because you realize how much uh, we're constant, constantly constant. talking to ourselves it's in our head. Constant. And it's like, it's maddening. And it's that insane. is part of It's like it being is. crazy. It is. And it's like Total. everybody's crazy. Crazy. Everybody yeah. constantly has these the voices in their head. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the ego out of control. So, you, so the longer you can stop the talking in the head, the more space you have from it. It creates a cumulative effect and it does build up. So it's like if you can earn yourself a millisecond and then a second and then five seconds and then another millisecond, if you do that enough, it amasses and a cumulative effect eventually happens where you have a breakthrough. Right. You know, awareness is the key to consciousness in my perspective. So it's like I amass that internal quietude, you know, as much as I can. Right. So it's like anything I can do to just get the talk to stop because when the talk's not going, there's no judgment. There's no ego. That's there's none of that. That's when you're you. That's when exactly. you're you. That's, That's when you're really pure. Am. Yep. Exactly. And it's... I don't have to describe myself to myself to recognize <laughs> who I am. What a fucking concept. <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, and that's kind of the principle behind meditation, I think, is really, be, you know, quieting the mind to where you're not having all those voices in your head constantly. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, people say, oh, I, I've heard people say, I can't meditate because there's two, I just think and think and think. And it's like, everybody thinks and thinks and thinks. Everybody, everybody is constantly has all these thoughts in our head. We're all the you same. call it talking or thinking. It's the right, same difference. Right. Because you think in words. Prom <laughs> I promise you that. Tell me you don't think in words. Now, and then people will say, well, I see images. Well, I see images too. But guess what? There's a running dialogue. Oh, yeah. There's a narrator constantly and if in you, every yeah, mind documentary, you know? Right. And, and it's not that you have to push the thoughts away. It's that when you meditate and you quiet your mind, you just become aware of what the thoughts are. And you just kind of, instead of following them and going, okay, let me, I just thought this, uh, what does that mean? Blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, you just go, oh, that's my ego. It's ego chatter. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to let it go on yeah. its way. And it, and it just kind of dissipates. And, and, through meditation you have uh for me when i started meditating it was really hard but after months of doing it you know for the same time every day like 15 minutes only a day or 10 minutes 10 to 20 minutes a day at the same time you notice that as you do it there are longer spaces where you don't have to chatter and then you keep building on that and then when you exactly. when you have a moment where it's like you have 30 seconds of no, no chatter in your mind it's really like significant and kind of amazing that time like stretches yeah. and you realize that's one of the actually one of the scary slash really cool and awe-inspiring experiences of when you're in that space is that like time stretches out and seconds can become you know hours right, right. It's, it's like dream time it's mm -hmm. wild but you're awake and it's such an incredible feeling of like limitlessness like wow i had it all wrong man right. <laughs> like watching the clocks all the time and shit <laughs> how much goes into this millisecond you right. know incredible perception because you really arrive in the moment, the present moment. Right. That's the thing about the ego is the ego is very busy either helping you regurgitate things that have already happened that you can do nothing about right. or 
speculating constantly about things that might happen in the future as if somehow this will prepare you better. Right. Than these to occur. But it'll never go the way the ego's rehearsing for you to think it's right. going to go. Right. So it's like when you arrive in that moment, time is like, whew, and it stretches out and it's, there's nothing more powerful than that. I mean, that is that sensation of God, you know, I right. mean, to use whatever, Allah, the spirit, Jah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, you know, that's the thing, that mm-hmm. feeling. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, here's the other thing too, is I think a lot of people get meditation wrong. They think they have to like sit in a Lotus position and burn incense. Oh and yeah. Like, that's you, know, a- you could, you, the, you know, meditation can be anything because what we just explained for ourselves, at least, and from what we've observed in the world is that it's shutting down that internal dialogue. So whatever you can do, even if you have to trick yourself, like I have this technique I do that I call the 180 degree view. And it's real simple because you could do it walking, you can do it driving because mm. people always say, oh, well, I don't have time to meditate. It's like, oh, tell me you don't have time to meditate. I live a busy life. You got time to, to have a, to have your mind chattering a million miles a minute yeah. constantly every waking moment, but you don't have time right. to meditate. Yeah. So learn, you know, like I just did this thing where I was like, okay, I'm going to see everything in front of me from my left periphery to my right periphery, everything all the way from one periphery to the other in front of me simultaneously as a wash of information, as opposed to flicking my eyes around and then amassing all of those details in my head to create a full picture. And I call it the 180 degree view. And all it really is, is a way to trick your internal dialogue into shutting off. It's that simple because you're flooding it with information. Right, right. It's interfacing in a you know, in a totally different manner than it's been taught to interface. And it, it just causes it to break down. What'll happen is, is you'll kick out of it, you know, and then you'll like start talking to yourself yeah, again. Yeah. And then it'll take a little, and then you'll realize, oh fuck, I'm talking to myself again. Better <laughs> do the 180 degree thing, you know? And so it's like, I'm, it's, I, I learned that many years ago, but I, I don't, I don't have to use it nearly as much now, but I guess it's a good, just another way to realize that meditation to get to this ego death thing could be anything. It's whatever works for you. It doesn't matter if it's elaborate or not. It doesn't matter if it's mundane. It's just to get you to that space to have that experience. Yeah. There, I mean, there's different types of, uh, Zen meditation, like walking Zen or you, uh, uh, you know, sitting Zen, lying Zen, walking Zen. I mean, the walking one is like where you, Focus all your energy on lifting one foot, putting your heel down, putting the front part of your foot down, lifting your other heel up. And it's like you're, you're paying so slowly walking, paying so much attention to every single uh, action that you're doing. It, 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 all your focus goes to that. So it kind of eliminates all the chatter. But I think what I do when I hike too, yeah. yeah, grip with the feet. That's one of the things you like foot gripping. Cause then mm-hmm. you're so focused, like you said, on gripping the ground through your shoes with your feet that, and the bandy tuck too. That's, that's an East Indian thing. But the bandy tuck is basically like sucking your butthole up. <laughs> like there's a, like, check this out. Like there's a cord that goes all the way up the middle of your body through the top of your head. And when you're walking, if you do that, it gets your pelvis in the right position uh, but it also gives you something to focus on too yeah well, the thing I, I was raising my finger because i don't want to forget yeah, this yeah, i keep ahead. forgetting it was uh i think that as artists i think a lot of people that um listen to the show are artists or creative people in some some way uh everybody's creative really but uh by when we create art i think we're in that we get in that meditative state especially mm-hmm. when we're in the zone you know that's when you're that's the same thing as meditation. Um, yes, absolutely. So that, I mean, that is my preferred form of meditation is, is painting. Yeah, you meditate as much as you can, <laughs> a.k.a. painting. Right. <laughs> 
No, it's true. I, you're, I'm glad you brought that up because that is really that's why that's why I do it. Because when I really get into my art, and that's why I think you like the whole thing of like, oh, what did I love the most as a kid? Because there was no other thought. It's right. like you just could be timelessly with this piece of art, and nothing else in the world could exist except for just you and that experience right there. Right. It's so pure, and it's so now. You know. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, there's, there's many different ways of, uh, eliminating that chatter and, and, but that's, you know, that is just a piece of the puzzle, I think sure. to, to not have your mind be going in complete chaos. Like, uh, sure. you know, the big thing is really the awareness. It's, it's so simple too. It's like just having the awareness and having and just the, watch it happen. <laughs> yeah. And watch it happen and go, Oh, that's my ego. Oh, that's my yeah. ego. And then, and that's the beginning of, you know, not being uh, controlled by your ego because, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I was saying before, when you're not conscious of your ego, you're just constantly thinking that's me thinking, you know, you're just constantly reacting Based yeah, on, like if you, on your you ego might go out and buy a really fancy car and think that really you want that car, like you would be convinced absolutely without a doubt that is the car of your dreams. Mm-hmm. But if you were actually at a place where you weren't being run by your ego, if you realized, then you might actually buy a completely different car. <laughs> you right, know what right. I mean? Because the ego is the one that has you convinced you think you want it, and it is part of your mind. And so it's hard to argue with yourself, right? Right, right. So again, like you said, if you watch it, it's almost like you're hunting it, you're like you're stalking it. Right. You know, and, you observe it and watch the way it works. Works, you know, stake it out, check that's, it out, watch well, what it does. That's the other thing about the ego is that it's, it's so smart. You'll never outsmart it. You'll never, you know, outsmart it by going, okay, I'm going to do this if it does <laughs> that, or I'm going to work this out verbally in my mind to, sure, you never. know, it's, it's like, it will always figure out it's smarter than you. Your ego is smarter, smarter yes. than you in that way. Be, uh, because that's what it is. You know, what it is, is this kind of, uh, this it's, it's this intelligence in a way that's just, you know, knows every one of your little trigger points. It knows everything about you, every single thing that it knows the things that you are con- more about you than yeah, you know. About right. You're not, it, it knows it's conscious of all the things you're not conscious of. So you can never beat it in that way. And the only way to beat it is to, um, be aware of it. That's the, that's the power you have over it. And if you can be aware of it, you can, uh, you can not let it control you. You can make your own decisions based on who you really are and what you really want. You know, well, in the ego too, it's, you know, because it works on fear and that's the way that it, it interfaces with the world. It interfaces with you in that manner too. And so, you know, not having enough money and being afraid to not have more money. You know, mm. you'd think that the ego would want you to succeed, but the ego doesn't care about that. <laughs> you know, that's how warped it is. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, what you need, again, as you said for myself, I just have to rewrite my dialogue. And I'm to that stage through by as a byproduct of becoming aware of it doing what it does but it's never like there's an ending point that's the thing there's no starting and beginning there's no oh eventually i'll reach this amazing place that's called ego death and there'll be right. a red carpet there and a sign <laughs> and i'll have a drink out of the fountain you know it's like it, that doesn't exist because the thing is is that it's an arduous constant process that's perennial and it will last throughout your the duration of your life right you have to continually watch and monitor and be aware of your ego from this point forward effectively speaking if you're 
you're not already, and most of you probably are, are aware of this stuff. So it's not like we're, you know, we're probably preaching to the choir to a greater or lesser <laughs> extent. But nevertheless, you know, we like we talk about this. We'd be having this conversation whether we were recording it or not. I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> kind of way we talk to each other. So, but I do again. I think that's the thing is that it's like it's just something you have to keep doing. It's not something that there's ever going to be a point where you can just like, oh, well, I've achieved that. I checked that off the list. Ego's dead. Let's move on. Right. You know, it just yeah, won't, yeah, doesn't yeah. work that way. <laughs> yeah. The ego death concept is more like having a flash of inspiration or having having a moment where you totally get it. But really, you know, mm-hmm. there, there is no real ego death. You know, it's basically it's that moment where you realize that you are not your ego. You know, you're I'm not I'm not Chet, the artist, the guy who paints, who as a podcast, that's not really my essence. That is that is my vehicle in this world, you know? Sure. And that's and, a good way to put it too. And, and, and so it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, drive it like you stole it. Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I think, I mean, we're at like an hour right now and I, and I feel pretty comfortable having yeah. covered everything. I can't think of anything else. I feel like I've kind of hit all the points I wanted to hit. What about you? I mean, I could oh, I could go on and on on anything because I just am a talker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so what I find is is that when I this is one of the reasons why I like to verbalize is when I talk to other people, that's not my ego doing what it does. Now that may not be true for everybody, but for me as an individual, when I'm speaking with someone, I'm I, I work very hard to be present mm-hmm. and really available and with them, and I think it's reciprocated, and so. I'm not. I don't know what I'm going to say next. That's all happening instantaneously right. as the conversation. Well, that, yeah, happens. that that it's very fresh. It's very like now, now, yeah, now, yeah. and that just gets me out of my ego. And so I love having conversation because of that factor. Well, with that's someone who can actually play the ball. You know, play the game and hit the ball back and forth. Right. You know. Well, that's the yeah. That that's you know everybody's had a great conversation where they were engrossed in a conversation for a couple hours over dinner or something to where everything's just flowing. That's that's it. You know, it's not your that's not your bullshit. That's not thinking, oh, what should I say next to get this effect <laughs> yeah, right. or manipulating the situation so that I can get what I want. That's just pure, you know, consciousness expressing itself, you know, and mm-hmm. that's what enlightenment is all about, really, I think, is, is uh, expressing living an authentic life and expressing who you really are in your actions, you know, mm-hmm. and not being controlled. And I, I, I will add this one thing. Well, I add two things. I've been, I've been reading a lot of uh, the Martin Ball stuff that I want you to check out. This uh, book, Being Human, that's really amazing. They should pay for me to go to that thing with you on the twenty fifth or I whatever. Know, that's I like know. five days from now. Just tr- you it's know, free. Just- the, it's it's his psychedelic conference he does every year in, in Ashland, Oregon. I know. I want you. To, I want you to pay for me to okay. get to Ashland. I want you to pay <laughs> for me to stay somewhere in Ashland. I know none of this is possible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Anyway, that's that's been uh, having a lot of influence on my thinking lately. It's really great stuff. Um, but uh, you know, if you if you look at the world today and how fucked up everything, it really is. Basically, I think it's clear that it is a, a world full of people who are dominated by their egos. Yes, that's why everything is so completely fucked up. Yes. You know, and, you know, if you want to know how, what the, the, you know, the, the result of a, wor- a world of people who are 
completely controlled by their egos, just look around. <laughs> just look around, yeah. You know? Well, at least at least in the United States of America. I, mean, I, I know that I have a hard time speaking. I've been to other countries here and there, but for me, I live here, you know, right. and this is what I see. And I like to delineate because but, there are people, maybe there are maybe people in other places that watch this and they don't look around and they don't think it's all fucked up. I, so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a human thing that pretty much, uh, pretty much generally most people have this problem everywhere i think but um yeah it's uh uh it, it, it's just a good example of how you know that's why we're destroying the environment we're destroying mm-hmm. the place that we live that's what the, the, that's which is totally absurd and insane you know, well, just you like know, we're talking. I mean, yeah, domination is like that word right there is so ego. I mean, there right. could be no greater word to describe ego than domination. Right. Dominate. <laughs> just know. all this, you know, the, the 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 wealth addiction you see in people, and just you know, it's all it's all comes down to ego. Tr- Donald Trump is like the perfect example of of pure ego. Someone that's completely run controlled by their ego it's so obvious it's so you know what's amazing about it really is that it's it's incredible to watch it all happen because like i mean i'm really detached in many ways emotionally from all of it and so and and that's probably my ego (laughs) (laughs) but uh but it's amazing to watch it happen because it's like you couldn't write shit this good i mean you just couldn't like you couldn't it's so amazingly wrong. <laughs> like you couldn't. I mean, if you tried to put together a recipe for things being more wrong, you couldn't do it. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. It's incredible. And like, and you doing dystopia. It's like, ah, uh, you know, it, it's like, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah, I'm it, it is pretty amazing. <laughs> but you know, I, I just, I, I've always, you know, thought that the, you know, the, 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 the world is a mirror that reflects who we are as, as a, as a whole. And that's, that's why you can kind of say, okay, everybody pretty much has this problem. 99.9% of the people have this problem with the ego. I know, you know, it's, I have it. You have it. It's part of the human condition. I mean, I'm not trying to say it's not part of the human condition. I'm just saying that like, in regard to, I think that probably people in the United States of America looking around are are perhaps maybe more disturbed than some of the other people in the world, wherever they live looking yeah. around. I didn't mean to say the ego isn't uh, prevalent throughout all strata and society. Well, and time, that's the thing, uh, you know, time immemorial. The whole uh, the you know the nationalist nationalist movement that's going on in you know in France, and they almost got they almost just elected a, a crazy uh, white power nationalist guy and it's like in the UK and the whole Brexit thing it's like it's it's ha- it's like it's all coming to a head this ego problem and it's and it's kind of getting to the point where i it seems like it's getting to the point where it's going to force us to to look at this problem because we're not going to have the world's going to get destroyed if if we don't deal with this and that is the answer to the question what is yeah. the problem what do we do it all comes down to each individual taking responsibility for themselves and yep. their egos yep. and and getting their shit together in that way and, and being aware of it. And I think that's kind of I think everything would fall into place if that were to happen. And I and I and I, and I think this chaos that we're experiencing is is really the, the result of, you know, uh, of human history of, of ego domination, you know. 
And it's, well, you know what's fascinating too is that every religion that we've ever known about basically is saying to do the same things that you and I have been talking about that we do in our lives, and they all are saying to do the same stuff. We're just repackaging this in a way that's more accessible and maybe more timely, <laughs> well, that's, right? But I mean all this, all these religions, all the knowledges, all the ways, as it were, the quote ways, you know, they're all about the same thing, and and it's all about what we're talking about. And so right. it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to actually let your ego take that and manipulate that in such a way as to then further dominate people with it, which is that's, like yeah, that's, so completely yeah, wrong, that's so oxymoronic, it's disturbing. Yeah, you know? that's the thing about you know organized religions is it is that uh, it becomes another control mechanism or, you know, and it's, you know, just through it, the methodology and how it's taught and the hierarchy and this and that, it basically do it within yourself. Right. I mean, that's the truth. That's what you're saying. It's like, whether you're sitting in church with a group of people around you, or you're sitting at home or whatever, you have to do it inside of you. You are the vessel. (laughs) It has to occur within you. (laughs) Yep. Absolutely. However you surround yourself, whatever, uh, you know, ceremonies you need to go, whatever lengths and stents, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, th- the that's the thing, though, is, is uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just that that can be also be a trap. It could be its own trap. Oh, yeah, the, sure. the ritual aspect of it, you know, it can work to heighten your senses and get you in that state. But it's also you can become attached to that. You know, sure, that's absolutely. What it's all about I agree with you 100%. attachment, you know, ego, ego sure. gets attached. It's just like I was saying, people that have what Alan Watts called uh, spiritual pride, you know, people mm-hmm, that people mm-hmm. that gain some enlightenment or, or have a mystical experience and then think they're better than everybody else and think they know everybody else. They get attached to yeah. that. They get attached to that idea of themselves as being an enlightened being. And that is just as bad as, you know, any bully asshole it's the same mechanism at work. It's sure. Ego, yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the same notion with the, the Castaneda stuff is like, you've got, you know, you, you can't, you can't be afraid cause that'll get in your way. If you get attached to your fear, if you can get past your fear, you might get to clarity, but if you get attached to your clarity, you're never going to make it to power. Right. <laughs> and if you get to power, you might get attached to power. Most people do. And if you can get past power, you might actually get to death. And if you're attached to death, you're probably going to be done there too. So you've got to not be <laughs> attached to all those things. And I'll tell you that last one is I imagine a doozy. I have not yet to uh, walk <laughs> up to that, but uh, you know, I'm stuck with clarity 90% of the time, like between fear and clarity, you know, I get past some of those fear, that fear stuff. And I get to this clarity stage. I don't know if I'm, if I've ever gotten beyond there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nevertheless, it's like, that's what you're talking about now is that, Oh, well, if I do these things, then this outcome will happen. Right. And the thing is, is that if you always think you can follow the one recipe, well, what happens if you're missing one of the ingredients? Yeah. All of a sudden, you don't have cake anymore. You have yeah. mush. That's you it. So that's like, yeah, you have a lot of tools on the old belt so you can <laughs> get the right one out when you need it for the right moment. That's why I always believe in multidisciplinary, you know, religious perspective, philosophy and such is to right. look at it from all the different angles, find the common denominator and focus on it because they're all saying the same fucking thing. Right. Well, I think we should end this here because I, I think this is a, is a great episode and I don't want to screw it up. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> we, we don't want our egos to get in the way of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's my ego controlling well, this podcast. <laughs> oh, come on. Now. Your ego controls everything. <laughs>
Well, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And also, I wanted to let you guys know that if you guys want to go onto the, you know, facebook.com forward slash dark art society and give us show ideas or mm-hmm. post your artwork or anything, that's great. We, we encourage you to do it. I see people are liking other people's stuff that is just on the community page. So again, feel free to go over there, follow us, check it out, comment, give us some feedback, tell us topics that you'd like us to hear. And also if you guys can try to hit us up on iTunes and review us, that would be great. It's going to help us stay in the charts. Yes. And check out Mike's emails from infinity podcast. He's got the second episode up and it's really cool. Thank you. And actually it covers some of the things we're talking about. We've been talking about throughout this whole episode. Yeah. It's all related, man. It is whoa. And check out uh, chetzar.bigcartel.com if you feel like supporting the po- podcast. You got a, uh, some spare change. You got ten bucks, twenty bucks, and any any little bit helps. Oh, and uh, we're also on Google Play now. Oh yeah. Was, of uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? I'm able to think of it right now. There's been a couple uh, people asking about Google yeah, Play. So anyway, so. we're on Google Play, Chet and I tag team that, and there is a link if you guys go to the any of the pages where the information, the description for this podcast, for this episode is, it'll say find us on Google Play, and there's a link there. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting, Mike. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Sorry for putting this one out so late. Oh, not a problem. It all works out like it always does. Certainly. All right, well, have a good one. Take care, ladies and gentlemen, and we will catch you next week. Bye-bye.